While I'm getting plugged back in, let me thank you again for the opportunity to be with you today. It's been a blessing to me, and most certainly as I look over there on the board and see the amount of money that you've given to missions today, um, I am the one who is walking away encouraged. So thank you very much for, for again, for the invitation for, um, to be here and to meet you. It's been a pleasure, and it's been good to see some folks um, that perhaps I haven't seen in a while. I recognize that I have the toughest job of the day right now because your bellies are full. <laughs> Most of you have been here for at least four and a half hours, and I am the only thing holding you back from a nap at home. So know that I know that, and I take that seriously um, as we wrap up our time today. One of the things about being a cross-cultural missionary that anybody who's been a cross-cultural missionary wishes they could do is they wish they could take all of you and let you experience some of what we've experienced. Because there's just these incredible moments that you never forget for the rest of your life. Even if you've been on a short-term campaign, you've experienced some of those moments that you will never forget for the rest of your lives. We had been in Cusco, Peru for about two and a half years when we had our first wedding in this, this new church that we had planted. This is the couple that was getting married. Um, it was a really neat thing and a neat time in the life of the church to have, our, again, our first, our first wedding. This particular couple we were good friends with, and so they asked my wife and I to be the godparents of the ring. Now, every couple that's getting married in Peru has two sets of godparents. They have the regular godparents who help financially, dispense advice over the years. And then they have, and so they had this older couple do this for them. And then they have the godparents of the ring, which was us. We didn't know what it meant, but we thought it was honor. So we said, yeah, we found out later that the godparents of the ring buy the wedding rings. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a ripoff, right? Um, I, I admit that I'd always, I kind of wish I wasn't the godfather of the rings. I always wanted to be the lord of the rings, but that's not what we were. We were the godparents of the rings. Now, we didn't realize when we got to the wedding that we would actually be a part of the wedding party. That was me with a lot more hair over there on the, on the left. Um, we had, our daughter was, she was just about two years old when this happened, and so we didn't know we'd be wrestling a, a two-year-old um, during, this, during this wedding. We were on the front row. We were right by the couple getting married during the wedding. It was a, a big adventure. We had no clue what we were getting into, but it was fun, and it was a blessing. So that was March of 2012. A couple months later, Mother's Day rolls around, and we get a phone call from the the girl that got married early that Sunday morning, they celebrate Mother's Day in Peru, and she said, hey, Charla is the god, godmother of the ring. We have a gift for her for Mother's Day. And we thought, wow, that's kind of cool. You get presents on Mother's Day if you're godmother of the ring. So she said, I'm going to stop by later with it. And she stopped by a little bit later before worship that morning, and she had a big bowl of Peruvian food. Now, Peruvian food is some of the best in the world. I'm not making that up. It is fabulous. And it was this big bowl of delicious Peruvian food, some potatoes, Peru, not Idaho, is the capital of the potato, over 3,000 different types of potatoes, some stuffed peppers, delicious, and a whole roasted cooey. In fact, I got a picture of it. This is an actual, pic actual picture of the bowl. Um, there's your whole roasted cooey, or like we like to call it, a whole roasted guinea pig. Yeah. Um, teeth and all, right there. I didn't have to get my wife anything for Mother's Day this year, because she got this, right? 
I will, I will never forget this moment. She tasted just a tad bit of it to say that she had tasted it. And then I dug in and ate the rest of it. I'm from West Virginia. We've eaten worse than this before. <laughs> Two months later, Father's Day rolled around. And you know what I got for Father's Day? I didn't get squat. I got absolutely nothing. Now, these are the kind of experiences that people who have been on the mission field have experienced, and we could, there are all kinds of stories that could be told from this audience. Boy, don't you wish you could listen to Ricky tell stories of some of the experience he's had in India, and I wish that I could transplant you into another culture so you could have some of these experiences that you will remember for, for the rest of, of your lives. But I recognize perhaps that's not possible for all of you. But here's what I do want you to know as we wrap up our time today. If you contributed some money to the number that's on that board over there, if you contribute on a weekly basis to this, this congregation's budget and therefore are a part of the $350,000 a year that goes to missions from this congregation, I want you to know that you are deeply involved in missions. That it's not just Ricky and others and Brother Moises, it's not just those guys who are the, the missionaries and who are doing the work, you are co-workers with them in the gospel. In fact, if you want to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians for just a moment, or 1 Corinthians rather, where Moises just read from, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and this is a familiar passage, you've heard it before. But watch how Paul describes this relationship that he and Apollos and God had. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered. So he says, I, I did one thing, Apollos did another. We had different roles, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive wages according to his labor. Now watch this, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now I think Paul and Apollos were special messengers of God, and in a sense, they not in a sense, they were God's fellow workers, and the church at Corinth was God's building, what had been, what had been produced. But there's a sense in which any time we partner with someone else to share the message of Jesus, wherever it is they're sharing it, we are fellow workers with them, but we are also partnering with God in his mission. We are, like Paul and Apollos, I believe we can say, fellow workers with God. And if you are contributing to the work of God and the work of missions in this church, there is a very real sense in which you are a fellow worker with God, right along with those missionaries who are on the field doing the work. Let me point you to one other place. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, another well-known passage, and Paul uses similar language. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's start reading in verse... Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Again, was Paul a special, special messenger or ambassador of God? Absolutely. But is there a sense in which we also are ambassadors or spe special messengers of the king as well? Yeah, I think so. Watch how Paul continues. For our sake... 
He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him might be, we might become the righteousness of God. Watch this, chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Paul saw his ministry as one in which he worked together with God. Now again, Paul's a special case. There's no doubt about that. But I think we can also say that as we are working together with our missionaries and all a part of the mission of God, we are working together with God. And so as all of these missionaries travel across the globe to share the message of Jesus, I want you to know that you play an important role if you're a part of this work financially. You are a co-worker with God. Perhaps you could imagine it as a, a chain, a chain by which someone goes from point A to not knowing about Jesus Christ to point B in which he is a, a developing disciple of Jesus. How do you get from point A to point B in a chain? Well, there's these links in the chain that get you to point, from one point to another. And I would say to you that as you participate in the mission work of this congregation, you are a link in the chain that is, bringing, that is bringing people from point A to point B, from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. And I want you to take courage in that and take strength in that to know that you are a part of something bigger than yourself when you help and assist financially with the missions program of this church. Now, having said all of that, we still are left asking sometimes, well, what can I do? Sure, all of us are a part of this. If you're a part of this congregation and contributing financially, you're a part of this. But what can you do more than just putting some money in a basket on a weekly basis? We've been, I think, rather theological this morning. We've talked about some biblical foundations for missions. Let's close today by just being really practical, all right, and talking about some things that you can do specifically to help missionaries who are on the field. Now, I'll admit to you that Nothing that I'm going to say for the rest of our time is directly quoted from Paul. Paul doesn't say, okay, here are the things that you can do to help your missionaries. These are, many of them are from my experience. And here's the advantage I think that I have now that I'm not on the field any longer. Some of the things I'm going to tell you today are not things that I would have said when I was a missionary. And it, they're things that missionaries won't say when they're on the field because they don't want to be self-serving. But Coming off the field, these are some things that I believe I can say to you, and it's not self-serving because it doesn't affect me, but I hope it will allow, as was prayed today, Brother Cackleman, it'll help your missionaries to serve more joyfully. So, what can you do? You ready? I'm going to make a list, and let me just say that some of this is based on, a lot of this is based on a level of appreciation that you have for your folks who are crossing cultures, especially those who are from the United States and are leaving home to serve in other places. Number one, what can you do to help these missionaries? First of all, you could just become one. They say, wait a second, you, didn't, you said you weren't going to go this route. You were going to tell us practical things you can do. Okay, so bear with me for a second. I bet... Not a betting man, but if I were, there are some people in this room right now who could, if they chose to, cross a culture, live in another culture, and share the message of Jesus full time. I'm also guessing that there are maybe a handful of you who have felt as if that's something that maybe you could do 
Maybe you've seen a missions presentation and you thought, you know what, maybe, maybe I could do that. Maybe you've read the Great Commission and you've thought, maybe, maybe that's me. Now, I recognize that for some of you, you believe that that's just not a possibility. And I get that. I'm in one of those situations right now. It's just not a possibility for us right now. But for those of you who have at least sort of considered it, let me invite you today to at least keep your mind open to the possibility of God using you full-time cross-culturally. Here's the good news, and I'm just, I'm just guessing on this one. You have a church that is able to support you financially. You have a church that's able to assist you and partner with you in this. And here's what I'd say to you if you choose to go this route. It will be the most challenging thing you've ever done in your life. But it will also be the most fulfilling thing that you will ever do in your life. You want to encourage and help missionaries? Become one. In fact, if you were to go to one of the missionaries who are visiting today and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. How can you help me get started in the process? That might be the most encouraging thing that they hear for a long time. So become one. Now, let me get to things that some of you are thinking, okay, I need something that I can actually do. Recognize the sacrifice of your missionaries. I read an article recently where... Uh, a lady was describing some family members of hers that were missionaries, and she said, you know, I think they're just crazy. They're just crazy. And here's, here's why she said this. She said, most cross-cultural missionaries from the United States leave their home and their career at a time when they could start growing in their career, or they could start getting some, advancing in their career a little bit. They're just starting to be noticed and are succeeding in what they do. And they leave that, go to another culture in which they're going to sound like three-year-olds when they talk. If you've ever learned a language, especially as, a, as an adult, we did that in Peru with Spanish, that's what you sound like. You sound like a three-year-old because you're just learning the language. And you leave behind something that you're good at, missionaries do, and they go into that sort of setting. Just about the time that their friends are climbing the ladder corporately, missionaries, your cross-cultural missionaries, give that up to serve other people in another culture. The team that's in Cusco the, that I went with originally way back in 2000, 2009, they are going to be coming back at the end of the year. We were not able to stay because of some health problems that we were dealing with in our family. And when they come back, it will have been about 10 years since they went originally. And I think about especially the, the two guys that we went with originally. They are going to come back after nine years and start from scratch. Most of the people our age are kind of, they're doing pretty well in their career. Even if it's a career in ministry, they're kind of out of their starter homes. We start, at my age, you start building, building nicer homes and things. We start advancing. You've, you've got your first bigger career. Everything just keeps going. And your cross-cultural missionaries have given that up to serve in another place. Now here's the thing, they wouldn't say this to you. And they would tell you, yeah, that's embarrassing, don't say that if I'm around, it's, that's true, but, but it's all worth it. Here's why I'm telling you this, you need to at least recognize the sacrifices that your missionaries are making. And when you recognize that sacrifice, it's going to allow you to do some of the things that I want to mention now. Quickly, what else can you do? Visit, and when you visit, take stuff that they like. I still remember when our campaign groups would arrive in Cusco, they would ask ahead of time, hey, what can we bring you? And to be honest, I was shameless. 
when they asked that question, and I would just make a list. I'd be like, okay, you want to bring something? Here, here it is. And as much as I love Peruvian food, you couldn't get sour gummy worms in Cusco. And so they would get, and I still remember they would, they'd pile up the goodies in the corner of the kitchen. I can still picture the pile of goodies that they brought. Here's why you should visit your missionaries. Not only will it encourage them because it's just nice to show people from home where you live and what you're doing. It'll encourage them in that way. It will also encourage them to know that you care enough to send people to visit the site because it's expensive. And by sending people to visit your missionaries, it communicates that you care. And number three, I would say, another reason you need to visit your mission works is because you need to know what's going on. You need to see what's happening. It would be a bit naive to support a work for years and years and years and never send someone to see what's going on. Now, I would say don't micromanage your missionaries, trust your missionaries, but occasionally send someone to see what's going on and I can't explain to you the blessing that that will be to them. So totally go visit your missionaries. Sounds like some of you are doing that and the church provides the funds for that. But on the other hand, here's my one negative suggestion is, is this. Don't visit. Don't visit. We lived in Latin America. As you know, it's fairly easy to get to Latin America. You don't have to cross many time zones, maybe one or two at the most, depending on where you're going. Not terribly expensive to get, get there. Therefore, churches send groups to Latin America all the time. In fact, as we were preparing to go to Peru, we talked to several teams and they told us, yeah, we, we have five or six campaign groups that come down every year. And they said it with a sigh because you get three or four teams on a, or three or four couples on a team. They each have their supporting churches that want to send, send people down. And their conclusion was, we spend half the year dealing with campaign groups, preparing for them to arrive and then cleaning up and doing the follow-up work when they, when they leave. And we don't have time to do what we actually need to do. And so we made a policy. We said, okay, two campaign groups per year. And we would bring all of our groups, all of our churches together, and they would come down on these big campaigns. We'd have a big medical campaign and usually some other sort of service campaign. And it was great to see all of our supporting churches work together. But the reason we did that is we couldn't be overwhelmed with visitors and do what we believed God wanted us to do in Cusco, Peru. Now here's the problem and the reason that I even have to bring this up. Sometimes church groups take campaigns and they go with their own agenda. And that's when, that's when you run into problems. We ran into it. There'd be somebody who'd call us up and say, hey, or send us an email and say, we would love to come visit, and I'll never forget one in particular from one of our major financial supporters. We'd like to come visit, and I quote, here's what we do. And he went on to describe how they did a campaign without any concern for what we might need and what's actually going on in the field and that perhaps the missionaries know what is most needed because they're in that culture. If taking a campaign is about doing what you want to do and it's about your agenda and not what the missionary or the workers on the field think is necessary and important, then I would say don't visit. Don't go. Because you're going to do more harm than good. Rather, communicate with the missionaries. Communicate with the workers on the field and say, listen, we want to come. We want to help. What do you need? The problem is, if you're sending money to somebody and you say, hey, we want to come. Here's what we'll do. They're likely not going to turn you down. You know why? You are their source of money. And so they're going to be polite. 
and we're thankful for that. But you can help from this end by saying, listen, we want to come. We want to do whatever if you need us to come, and we want to help. What can we do? Don't visit if it's about your agenda, but if it's about serving the ministry and the mission point there, absolutely, go visit. Here's the next one you can do. Send care packages. This is a really, really simple one. I will never forget walking into the post office. We'd go two or three times a week. It was fairly easy to get to in Cusco and go into our post office box and seeing that little slip of paper. It was this long little paper and it meant we had a package. And oh, it was so encouraging and so fun to get one of those. Of course, our family sent it. Sometimes our churches. I'll never forget getting a package at Christmas time. I think it was our first Christmas in Cusco and it was a box not from a church, not from a Bible class, just from one of our elders and his wives that are overseeing church. I, will, I promise you, I will never forget that. He's not even an elder anymore. I see him at the ball field occasionally, but I will never forget the package we got from them at Christmas. This is easy. You could do this as a Bible class, a young adult class, whatever class you're in. You could say, hey, we want to send a package to these people. Here's how you do it. You contact the missionary and you say, what do you need? What would you like? What do your kids want? What kind of candy can you not get over there? And then you all, here's the other thing you got to ask. Is it easy for you to get the package? I've heard of people, for example, in Lima, it's a full day affair to get a package. They may not want your care package. But where we were at, it was relatively easy. It took about 15 minutes to go into the customs room and get the package. And just by putting together a little money and bringing some stuff together as a class and sending a package to your cross-cultural missionary, you can encourage them in pretty significant ways. Send care packages. Pray for them and then tell them that you are praying for them. There was nothing more encouraging than getting an email that said, hey, just wanted you to know that we are praying for you. Now, how can you do this? I looked on your website and there's a whole page of all the different works that you support. Perhaps you could take a screenshot of that. I don't know, or find some way to have that printed out where you can see in one place, and maybe you guys have something like this, one place all the different works that you support. When we would come back on furlough, we would get little, little magnets about the size of a business card. You can get them through, I guess Vistaprint still does them. Is Vistaprint still a thing? And we would print these little magnets off with our picture and a couple of prayer requests on them. And it was really fun to go into people's homes if we were visiting and see our picture on the refrigerator, not because we wanted to have our picture in people's houses, but it meant that they were praying for us regularly. So maybe, for, if your missionaries don't think of something like that, maybe that's something you can do. Some of you could say, okay, we're going to get some magnets printed up for our missionaries to put into everybody's homes so that they will remember to pray for them. So pray for your missionaries and tell them that you're praying for them. And then support them financially. Obviously, you guys are doing that. I get that. But it's a trend now for individuals to support missionaries on a monthly basis. So maybe you know of a missionary who's just having trouble raising funds. Could you do 25 bucks a month? Most missionaries that I know wouldn't turn that down. In fact, one year as we were on the field, it was, we were about to come back on furlough, and we found out that one of our supporting churches dropped us out of the blue. It was... They were having a bad year financially, and they sent a letter. It was two months after they stopped supporting us. It said, we can't support you any longer. Sorry, the, the end was basically how it went. So we had to raise, make up for about a couple hundred bucks a month. So we were coming back on furlough. I asked elders. I said, hey, can I mention this in my presentation that we're a little short? And in no time, through individual Christians who said, yeah, we can do 25 bucks a month, we raised that $200 
There was another guy who just started sending our overseeing church 25 bucks a month, and he put Cusco mission work on it. And our treasurer sent us a message. He said, just want you to know this is happening, and I didn't know about it. This is just this guy that started, a guy I went to college with, started sending money on a monthly basis. So I sent him an email. I said, thank you. Is there anything in particular? He said, no, I just wanted you guys to have a, so I said, here's what we're doing. We buy Bibles for new Christians every month. That's what we're using your $25 for. There's all, missionaries always need something else. I say always, usually. There's always something else they could do if they had a little bit more money. Maybe you could help on a monthly basis. Maybe come tax return time, you could help with a larger sum. Maybe come into the year and you're looking for some tax, uh, a little, save a little money on your tax return for the following year. Maybe you could donate in that way. Don't forget your missionaries when it comes to helping them financially. May I add here, for the leaders in the missions committee, whatever you do for your ministers, and I, I am in ministry now, so again, this is not self-serving. I'm just trying to help your missionaries. Whatever you do for your missionaries, or for your preachers and ministers here, please consider doing for your missionaries. If your preachers or ministry staff get a yearly or bi-yearly raise, why would your missionaries not appreciate the same? If your staff gets an end-of-the-year Christmas bonus of some sort, maybe it's just small, you think your missionaries would appreciate the same thing? Just as a, as a gesture of kindness, I guarantee you they would. Every year from our overseeing church, we got a small Christmas bonus, and it meant a lot to us. Support your missionaries financially. How about this one? Read a book about missions. Because if you read a book about missions, you're going to be better prepared to respond to the need that your, needs that your missionaries have and be aware of what they're facing. If you were to come up to me and say, okay, Matt, give me one book that I should read that's written at a practical level that would help me understand what our missionaries are going through, here's the one, all right? I would just say, go get this one, Changing World, Unchanging Mission. You could buy it on your phone right now for your Kindle. It's by Dr. David Sills, one of, uh, one of my professors right now. Great guy, helpful book that would help you to see some of the realities of our world right now that your missionaries are facing that I think every Christian ought to be aware of. So read a book about missions. It could be any book. This is one that I would suggest for you today. This is, again, maybe this sounds silly to you, but spoil your missionaries. In recognition of the fact of the sacrifices that they're making, spoil your missionaries. I'll never forget one church that we, I would walk into every year, and a guy that was five or six years older than me, I was acquainted with him at Freed Hardeman, and he would walk up to me and he would hand me a check and he would say, this is not for your work. And he would say, go on a date, do something fun with this. And it was a $50 check every year. He wasn't a wealthy guy at all. He just would hand us this, this check every year and say, hey, go out to eat, do something fun. That was his way of spoiling us. What if your Bible class got together and said, okay, our missionaries coming in, they're not getting rich. I assure you they're not getting rich as foreign missionaries. What could we do to bless them or to help them? Let me add in the midst of this, this isn't really spoiling your missionaries, but it goes along with helping them and supporting them financially. See to it that they are taking care of their insurance needs, their, specifically their medical insurance needs. Now, I'm guessing that some of your missionaries do some little things here. Maybe they got a policy overseas. We had to come back because of medical issues that totaled in over... $3 million in medical expenses in a couple-year period. Do you think I ever thanked God for the American medical policy that we had? 
In this case, you better believe it. Listen, we trust God to take care of us, absolutely. But make sure you're taking care of your missionaries in ways that if they were to experiencing something life-altering and had to come back, it wouldn't destroy them financially. It's worth the investment, and it will be encouraging to your missionaries. What else can you, you can do? Respond to newsletters and emails. How many of you, just out of curiosity, get an, an email newsletter at some point from one of your missionaries? Okay, a few of you. Here's what we normally do. We read it, and then we sometimes delete it. We would send out, when we were in Peru, about 300 yeah, it was about 300 email newsletters to individuals, to people on missions committees every two months. And we would normally hear back from three or four of those people. Now, we were fine. We didn't need the encouragement. We loved what we were doing. We loved our team. But I guarantee you there are some missionaries who are discouraged and you don't know what it would do if you took 30 seconds to hit respond or reply and wrote, thank you for this newsletter. We're praying for you and we love you. Even though we didn't, I don't think we needed that encouragement, it was still encouraging. I'll never forget the one person who did it every time, and most of you don't know him, Brother Edwards. It was David Leip, always responded. Of all the people to respond, you didn't expect him to, but he was the guy who always responded, and it meant, it meant the world to us. Respond to emails, tell them thanks. And then finally, when they're here, ask about the work. Ask them how they're doing. You see, what happens is when missionaries come in, they... Uh, they're excited, they want to tell people what God is doing, and so they go to churches, and they walk down, they do their report, and then somebody walks up to them and says, hey, how you doing? How's it going? And they're ready to jump in, and, but it was just a greeting. They didn't really, the person didn't really want to hear how things were going. They just didn't know what else to say, and so they say, hey, how's the work going? The missionary starts then, and they say, okay, good, I'm going I'm to move on. Ask the missionary how things are going, and then be willing to listen to them. The missionary needs that time to debrief and to talk about the things that they're experiencing. And you, just by listening, can help that missionary and encourage them. So there's my list, right? We could we'd go on. You could have things. Others in here could, would have great ideas as well. Hopefully these are just some little things that can help you. As we close, I'll just remind you of this, what we said at the beginning. You are partnering with God and your missionary when you give financially. Thank you for what you're doing. But there's, there's more. There are little things that you can do to help and encourage your missionaries, to strengthen them as you partner together in the work that you're doing. Here in a minute, we're gonna sing a song of encouragement. And this is meant simply to give you an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus that we've talked about today. This is God's, this is God's mission. He wants to bring you back into relationship with him and perhaps you need to be baptized and begin your relationship with God today. I know the folks here would love to help you with that. If you need prayers, I know the folks here would love to help you with that.